Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, also has the truth about life and death. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you joined us today and ready to study the Bible with us. And that's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. And uh, we'll just be answering your questions. Uh, that may sound strange to some of you that haven't watched us before because a lot of religious TV programs don't do it that way. They tell you what they think you ought to know. Uh, we're a little different here. We ask you what you'd like to know. And we think that's a pretty good way to study the Bible. So whatever you've wondered about, maybe some specific verse or a topic or a doctrine that you've always wondered, is that really in the Bible or where is something in the Bible? Anything like that, we're happy to help you with. We get a lot of life questions where folks have something going on, their family or work or uh, the world, and they wonder, what's the Bible say about that? Well, we'll try to find you answers for about anything. So use that phone number, website at the bottom of the screen, uh, send us your questions, and you'll direct the program. So that's what we do here. I'm Steve Tandy, and I've got a couple gentlemen here that answer questions each week. Toby Levering's back. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Jeff Martin's down there. Hi, morning, Jeff. Good morning, Steve. Toby. Glad, glad you guys are here and uh, studied up and ready to go, but hopefully our viewers know a little bit of Bible because they always get our first question. So here's the first question for our viewers. Salome is a famous character in the Bible. Uh, she danced for King Herod, and when she was done, uh, he told her she could have whatever she wanted, so she asked for something. What was her request? And we'll give you the answer at the end of the program. Looks like Jeff gets to start us today and got a weather report. Yes. <laughs> Viewer wants to know, does God actually control the weather? Uh, and there are times in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament, where we can definitely see that God has the power over the weather, has power to control the weather. Uh, let's look at one of those really quickly. It's an account of a story about Elijah in James 5.17. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Uh, and obviously this was not the power of Elijah. This was the power of the God that he prayed to that allowed that rain to stop for three and a half years. So we know that God has the power to control the weather. So then the question becomes, is God always controlling the weather? Is he always actively controlling the weather? All things were created by God, including weather, including the things that go on on this earth. Uh, and God, of course, is in control of what he created. Uh, but weather is something that God has set in motion on the earth. So the wind, the rain, natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, all of those things are continually happening on the earth, including the seasons, as part of God's creation that he set in motion. Uh, so based on the verse that we read earlier and other verses uh, when Jesus calmed the wind and the rain, we know that God can interrupt what he set in motion. So the best answer to your question is yes, God control can control what he has set in motion and created, but there's no biblical indication that God is 
continuously in control of the weather around us. Alrighty, got a recurring question. Uh, people wonder about pets going to heaven. Uh, we talked about that a few weeks ago, evidently, and uh, our viewer called in here and said, in our answer about pets in heaven, you should have mentioned St. Francis. Uh, St. Francis blessed animals, and he said they have personalities and consciences, and they will go to heaven. So viewer says we left out St. Francis in our answer, uh, didn't consult his authority on whether pets go to heaven or not. Uh, the reason that we did not mention St. Francis is the name of this program is Know Your Bible. And we try to answer all of our questions from the Bible. Uh, we Most of them we put a verse on the Bible to show you that it actually came out of the Bible. And uh, in spite of what our viewer thinks about St. Francis, uh, you can look from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation and you're not going to find St. Francis in the Bible. Uh, he's not mentioned. Uh, he was a historical character, but he's not a biblical character. Uh, actually, he lived about 1,200 years after the Bible was written. Uh, he was an Italian, and he is a historical figure. He's got a wonderful story, very interesting, about uh, his early life was very sinful and uh, debauched, and then he turned to Christ and uh, changed completely and did a lot of good in his life. And he did, evidently, from what I've read, love animals and uh, pay a lot of attention to creation. Uh, so our viewers right. St. Francis did talk about animals, and um, I'm sure he thought they were going to heaven. Uh, our problem here on Know Your Bible is that St. Francis may have been a wonderful fellow, uh, but he wasn't inspired. Uh, he wasn't speaking directly for God. Uh, he's not in the Bible, so we're not going to quote him as a source. Uh, we'll stick with what the Bible says about pets going to heaven, which doesn't really mention them. So if we, when we answer that question again, we'll give you some Bible answers, but uh, we probably won't quote St. Francis on it. So uh, that's the way we do things here. All right, Toby. Okay, uh, we have a, a question about hell. A friend told me there is no hell. If you are not a Christian when you die, you just cease to exist. Is that true? Well, uh, I've heard those arguments, and there's been a little bit of a, a revitalization of that school of thought. Some people like to think that. Uh, and in some ways, as I study hell, I'd kind of like to believe that. <laughs> it's, you know, when you really look at what the Bible says about hell, it's a terrible, awful place. Uh, and be assured that God doesn't want anyone to go there. Um, but when I look at Scripture, and if I'm honest with what Scripture says, and specifically what Jesus says, uh, no, that is what your friend described is inaccurate, uh, biblically speaking. Jesus described hell more than he described heaven, and I think he did so because to warn us and to warn his followers and to say, hey, this is real, and you need to... Uh, pay attention so you don't go there. Uh, let's look at several of the scriptures where Jesus did say uh, exactly what hell was and what happened there. Let's look at the scriptures on the screen, Matthew 10, 28. I'm going to give you about four of them here. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So it's a place, it's a destructive place. Matthew 25, 46, Jesus said, These will go away into eternal 
punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So hell is a punitive place. And in fact, five verses before, Jesus said it was prepared for the devil and his angels. So it was a place designed to be punitive in its in its effect. Uh, Mark nine forty three and following, Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled with two hands than to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, uh, Jesus is saying here, listen, I, mean, I don't think he's literally saying, you know, uh, but he, he's making the point that hell is bad and you take whatever measures are necessary to avoid going there. That's how serious Jesus was about him. Finally, Luke 12, verse 5, Jesus said, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So Jesus was very clear about what hell was, what the purpose of it was, and that we should be serious about avoiding it. Now, um, uh, I, I don't think we can truly understand that terribleness of hell, just as I truly don't think we can fully understand the glories of heaven, okay? But the Bible's clear on them both, and uh, what your friend described about just ceasing to exist, uh, if that's true, then Jesus was a liar and surely not Savior. So uh, that's, that's what the Bible says and what specifically what Jesus said about hell. Right. Let's talk about a way to study the Bible. Uh, we know that a lot of our viewers are hardcore Bible students. They uh, study it all the time and spend a little time each day reading their Bible maybe and they've got that habit formed uh, and that's great. But we also know we've got some viewers that just never got quite started in Bible study. Maybe they've tried. Uh, maybe you've sat down on January 1st and said, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Uh, and you last a few weeks or a few months and wear out and get stalled and behind and give up. Uh, there are other ways to go about studying the Bible, and we think we've got a few that are really helpful, so we offer them each week to help you learn to study your Bible. Here's the first set of lessons that we introduce people to, and you see on the left there it starts with the Old Testament and the New Testament, first two lessons. Uh, get you founded uh, a foundation built on what those two things mean. Then there's some other lessons that are good introduction to the Bible. Uh, we've got courses beyond that. Once you get through with this one, we'll send your certificate, and then you can start some of these other courses. One's about the life of Jesus. One's about the Book of Acts, the beginning of the church, and uh, lots of interesting lessons and topics. Uh, we send you the stamps to use to send them back to us, so no cost to you whatsoever except a little bit of time. If you'd like to do it online, we've got a way you can do that. Uh, log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and uh, they will get you started studying online, a different set of lessons, but they're great lessons and uh, excellent way to learn the Bible. So we've got all those options, and uh, we encourage you to uh, use the phone number or website at the bottom of the screen. Tell us you'd like some of those free courses, and we'll get them going for you. So study the Bible with us. Right. All right, Jeff. Yep, one about angels, of course. Um, why A viewer wants to know, why were the angels cast out of heaven? Uh, and, of course, we get a lot of 
questions about angels, and there are over 250 verses about angels in the Bible. And we can't go over all of those each time, but we can infer certain things from those verses that help us to understand uh, who the angels were and what their purpose was. Uh, and we know that they had emotions, that they had intelligence, and importantly, more importantly for this question, they had free will. And because they had that free will, they could decide like us whether or not to follow God, and they could also decide if they wanted to sin against God. Now, I will add, I think that it was very different for an angel to make that decision because they were in the presence of God and in the presence of the full God's glory. So that would be hard, but they could still choose to sin. And so we have a direct answer to this viewer's question in Second Peter 2, verse 4. Let's look at that. It says, for, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. So it doesn't tell us exactly what that sin was. And I'm sure that there are people out there who will speculate on what that sin was. But we know that they were cast out because they sinned against God. They had that free will. They used it to not follow God. And because of that, they were cast out. All right, question about the Church of Christ. If you ever want to know, does the Church of Christ have female pastors? And why or why not? Uh, first part, do churches of Christ have female pastors? I really can't answer that because if you watch this program very long, you know churches of Christ are autonomous. They're self-governing. Uh, we don't have any headquarters. We don't have any uh, board that hands down a creed that says here's what every church of Christ has to believe. Uh, so each congregation is self-governing and uh, that's why I can't say all churches of Christ, but I can say this in general. Uh, no, churches of Christ do not have female preachers or female elders uh, or pastors or shepherds or bishops, whichever term you use. So, uh, no, churches of Christ in general do not have female preachers or pastors. Now, our viewer says, well, why not? So let's just look at one verse that states it pretty clearly. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 12 and 14. And Paul, the apostle, uh, used apostolic, apostolic authority speaking for God and said, I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. And he was talking about the worship service here, the preaching service. He said, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and become a transgressor. So whatever that last part means, all we need to understand about it is the reason that women are not to be in uh, positions of preaching or pastoring or shepherding uh, has something to do with God's original design. Uh, and the original design was for man to be the spiritual leader. Uh, Adam messed that up. He let Eve take spiritual leadership in their family and, and got in all kinds of trouble. So something about the original design that was carried all the way through the Bible, uh, not just in the Old Testament uh, with males in positions of spiritual leadership, but into the New Testament. And uh, if God would have meant to change from male spiritual leadership to female spiritual leadership, uh, he probably would have done so about then. 
uh, but he picked 12 male apostles. Uh, he had those apostles inspired to write things like that verse we just read. Uh, he continued that distinction between male and female in spiritual leadership. has nothing to do with capabilities, has nothing to do with uh, inferiority or anything else like that. It's just the role that God assigned. He said, here's the way things work best, and I want males to be the spiritual leaders. So, uh, no, Churches of Christ in general do not have female preachers or pastors, and the reason is biblical authority. Toby. Okay, a question about suicide. The question is, uh, is suicide a reason that people will not go to heaven? Well, uh, suicide is simply self-murder, self-homicide, and people think about that, and they kind of use a logic. And I understand the logic. The logic is, uh, you know, murder's a sin, uh, self-murder is a sin, and if you die in sin, you can't repent of that, so therefore you must automatically go to hell. Well, you've got to step back and think a little bit. For for example, um, in uh, in war, let's let's imagine a soldier. Uh, that a grenade is thrown there among he and his uh, fellow soldiers. And in a matter of a few seconds, he has a decision to make. He's closest to it. Does he let that grenade explode, killing him and everyone else? Or he might choose to lay down his life and throw himself on top of that grenade, absorbing the blow but saving the lives of everyone around. Now, technically speaking, that's suicide. That's self-murder. Uh, but we understand, of course, he made a very sacrificial, brave, and heroic act. And so... We have to understand that in the cases of suicide, uh, that it's not as cut and dried as we might like to think it out. There's a lot of things happening with a person physically, mentally, spiritually, and there are some of those things that only God can know. Um, you know, only God can know a person's heart. In other words, if they, if they make a self-sacrificing act, God would know the heart behind that act. Um, a, a, uh, uh, he knows their mental condition. You know, there are people that have tumors on the brain and uh, things happening within the brain that just make them where they do things that are not what they would normally do. You know, and, and people have seen that. You see somebody suffering with uh, Alzheimer's, for example, and you'll know that they're just not themselves. That's not who they are, and family understands that. We're gracious and merciful. Well, how much more, then, is God toward a person with a very mentally unstable condition who might commit suicide? So there's a lot of factors at play, and there's not a hard and fast rule. Obviously, life is a value of God, and he wants us to preserve life. And if you're watching this program and you're feeling suicidal, I would encourage you to get help, get Christian counseling, and and that's good for you, and, and find somebody who can help you and, and work through those things with you. So please do that and take it seriously and remember that uh, you can't underestimate the, the, the gap that you will leave in the hearts of the people who love you most. Um, if you if you embark on that path, so please get help if you're considering it. But from a theological, what we what we understand is God is perfect. He is perfectly just. He is perfectly merciful. He is perfectly gracious, and he's going to get every single situation of suicide just right. And he will apply perfect justice, perfect mer mercy, and perfect grace to each and every one. So I hope that helps a little bit. And again, if you are struggling with that, please do get help. 
Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, which tells us about the nature of God. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But uh, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Uh, I hope that helps you and brings some clarity to a very tough topic. All right. Let me invite you to visit a church near you. Uh, we just had a question a moment ago about Churches of Christ. and The Churches of Christ do produce this program and do sponsor it. And, uh, many congregations of the Church of Christ help keep us on the air. And we like to invite you to visit us sometime. And we like to mention specifically uh, some of our supporters. Here's a couple over in Missouri. We're broadcast from uh, the Springfield area. And uh, our partner in that area is the Watermill Church of Christ in Springfield. A great group of folks there that uh, help us stay on the air and take care of uh, the correspondence courses and other things over in that market. And then the Mansfields, the Church of Christ, just a little bit east of Springfield. Uh, another fine group of folks, a smaller bunch, but uh, the, if you live close to Mansfield and are looking for a group of people that study and think about the Bible a lot like we do here on Know Your Bible, uh, drop in and visit the Mansfield Church of Christ. We uh, thank them for their support. Uh, whatever market you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ near to you. Uh, drop in and visit them sometime. Tell them you heard about them on Know Your Bible. All right, Jeff, language yes. question. Yep, one about uh, <laughs> Jesus. What language did Jesus speak? And, and I'll start off high level here by saying Jesus was God and Jesus was the Son of God. So he probably could have spoken any language that he desired to speak. So that being said, most scholars, based on certain clues in the Bible, because of where Jesus was raised and because of the time that he lived in and the, the geography, believe that he most likely spoke Aramaic, Hebrew, and Greek, and that Aramaic was probably the language that he used the most. And we see a few different instances of this in the Bible where Jesus was speaking Aramaic words. So let's look at one of those in Matthew 27:46. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for those of you who know this story, this is probably uh, the most famous instance of, of Aramaic words. These were Christ's final words before his death. And there are actually a couple of other places in the book of Mark that we also see Aramaic words. I won't get into those completely, uh, but there's one in Mark 7.34, one in Mark 5.41, and Mark 14.36. So because of all of these things together, while we're still not 100% sure because there's no verse in the Bible that comes right out and says uh, Jesus spoke Aramaic, most believe that that, that was the primary, primary language that Jesus used. All righty. I got a uh, interesting question of how long will it take some soul that dies? How long will it take them to get to heaven? And I got to admit, I don't think we've ever got this question before in all the decades we've been on. Um, but it's interesting when a soul dies, how long does it take to get to heaven? And uh, to calculate it, 
there's one variable that I don't know, and that's angel speed. <laughs> if I knew how fast angels moved, I could answer that question. Uh, because I think angels escort us to heaven, and the only clue I've got for that is uh, in Luke chapter 16, verse 22. So let's look at that. Luke 16, 22 says, The poor man died. This is the story of the poor man and uh, the rich man. And it says, He was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. So from that verse, we assume that that's the way it works, that uh, when our soul dies, Angels come and escort our spirit uh, to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, unfortunately, I don't know how fast angels move. I think it's really quick. <laughs> so I think we're going to get there pretty quickly, uh, probably pretty close to instantaneously, actually. Uh, actually, I don't need to know angel speed. I need to know how spiritual the spiritual world works, and mm -hmm. I don't know that either. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty quick. But... That's the best I can do on that one. <laughs> um, let's go back and talk about that one question we had about uh, women pastors, female pastors. Uh, I've been thinking about that a little bit. and uh, It might be interesting to people to know, uh, especially young people that have just been born in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, that's all they've ever heard is you ought to have female preachers and stuff like that. Uh, all of that's happened in my lifetime, basically, less than half of my lifetime. Uh, for 2,000 years and more, uh, people understood what the Bible said and followed it. And then, like the question Jeff had a week or so ago about uh, homosexuality, culture changed, and it changed on the role of women in society, which is fine, which it needed to do probably but people took that cultural change and started to try to apply it to the Bible and that's hard to do when the Bible's pretty clear yes, it is. I always <laughs> tell my teens that it's a very prideful generation <laughs> that takes things that have been been understood this way for thousands of years and decides that their generation has it figured out that's a very scary <laughs> thing to do yeah yeah, an old African proverb I remember said, never tear down a fence until you know why it was built. That's right. You know, that, and in our culture, uh, the role of women and all that seems pretty simple to everybody, but there's a reason God had those roles established. Yeah, and you're exactly right. It comes down to trusting God, you know, trusting God's ways even if we might do it differently, but that's the whole point. He's God. He makes the decision on how he wants things done, and we have to trust that his ways are best. Yeah. And, and all the things he established, all the other rules that some of them don't make sense to us, sure. they were for our good. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For the, the world works better if you follow his laws. That's so, right, yeah. uh, So anyhow, I, I just thought that was interesting to think about, about how that's just changed in the last... 20, 30, 40 years uh, because we're trying to keep up with culture. Mm. Okay, we're out of time today. Let's make sure we get our trivia question answered. Uh, famous Dance of Salome, viewer, uh, where our question is Salome danced for Herod, and what did she request? Kind of a gruesome request. She wanted the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And uh, Herod 
agreed. He got uh, John the Baptist beheaded, put his head on a platter, and gave it to Salome. So she got John the Baptist killed. So uh, not a very nice story, but we'll close with that one. <laughs> Glad you've been with us today. Hope you come back next week as we answer some more questions. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.